1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome back, folks. Tim Temple joins us, the insurance commissioner for the state of Louisiana. Tim, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, happy Friday, Neil. How are you?
2: Same to you, my friend. I know that everybody's kind of getting settled in now after uh, being sworn in at the beginning of January. Things are, um, I guess you you know where the bathrooms are and everything else over there the Department of Insurance. Now, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, 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 <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's uh, you, you say that jokingly, but look, I, I have uh, I've really been excited, and every day I, I walk around, uh, walk the various floors meeting everybody. You know, there's over 200 people that work here at the Department of Insurance. And absolutely. As I've said, there's a lot of good men and women. And and I'm excited. I had a meeting this morning with uh, with uh, 10 individuals. We came in uh, for about 15 minutes, uh, had a cup of coffee together and really talked about what they did and how they can help impact, you know, through their job insurance in Louisiana. So it's it's been a good, good first couple of weeks
2: i said it kiddingly but it's really true i mean there's so many moving parts and so many different fronts that it it does take a while to get acclimated to everything that's going on in the office there's probably things going on there that a lot of people never realize that they do right there there
3: is i mean there's a lot you know this this department uh you know it regulates the entire industry in the state of louisiana and uh you know like as i said there's over 200 men and women here and you know, we do everything from you know making sure that agents and claims adjusters and insurance companies have the have the correct licenses, um, to you know taking in money for renewals, to answering questions when whether it's a consumer or an insurance company or anybody else has a question on a regulation. You know, we we uh, we do that, and we also take complaints. You know, when people have problems with their with their their carrier or their claims or whatever it is, if it if it's got the word insurance in it. This is the place to call.
2: Yeah. Tim, I know that you and other uh, business leaders had an opportunity uh, to go visit with the reinsurance market in, in England, and I know that you've also been to Washington, D.C., and have uh, had conversations with with folks uh, there. What are the takeaways?
3: You know, uh, Newell, we did. We we went, uh, and I think we talked about it on your show briefly before, you know, we were in – Uh, London and then Bermuda uh, visiting the the reinsurance markets there. And, you know, most of the reinsurance that's purchased and and reinsurance is simply when insurance companies buy insurance. It's called reinsurance. And they support uh, I think Louisiana is either the third or the fifth largest market for Lloyd's of London in the world. So, and, and I know you've, your listeners have heard it from my predecessor, and he's he's right on that, talking about how big the Louisiana market is and how important the reinsurance market is to Louisiana. So, the the takeaways I would say is that, look, they get to choose where they want to deploy their capital. They get to pick which companies they want to support, and the ones that are writing business in Louisiana are not favorable to them. They're not attractive, and you know, as I've said, you know, we have some, some regulatory challenges in Louisiana. We've got some legal challenges in Louisiana. And now that you've seen with the Fortified Roof Program being successful and, but what it's done is it's highlighted is we've got some, we've got some challenges with regards just to the physical risk, the buildings, the homes, the structures that we have in South Louisiana. And we need to, you know, and we're going to be addressing those.
2: Tim, um, I think, um, uh John Cuvion over at JMC Analytics ran a poll the other day. Obviously, this is an issue that's top of mind. I was talking to some folks that were in D.C. during the uh, D.C. Mardi Gras ball week. um, And, you know, as to what was one of the most talked about topics there, homeowners insurance, auto rates, um, no doubt the citizens of this state are concerned
3: yes sir and, and look we, we we did we had um you know i was there uh for several days in dc and you know i've been i've been attending the dc mardi gras for over a decade and and everyone is always busy but i told uh everybody that's asked me about us this is the busiest it's ever been because i couldn't walk two steps without someone wanting to you know grab my arm and say hey let's talk about insurance um and, and look you're right uh you know whether it's homeowners auto flood it is an issue. I know. Um, and I can tell you yesterday we had some had some meetings with some some of the governor's policy folks. He's very interested and very uh, uh, not not just concerned, but wants to be part of the solutions to help address insurance. Um, you know, the insurance crisis. Uh, I've had some uh, conversations with the legislative leadership as well as individual legislators. They, they you know, everybody understands. And I'm not telling you or your listeners anything that they don't already know. And they're not, you know, living right now. This this crisis is really impacting not just us as individuals but our state economy and i think everybody is ready to be part of the solution and that's what we're working on
2: what has revealed itself um that as an example that you can give the listening audience about the direct impact on the economy
3: you know i am uh i tell you there was a gentleman i was talking to that has a, a a trucking business in Northwest Louisiana. He he purchased it last year, and he's had to relocate it to Texas um, because his insurance rates on his on his trucks on his commercial trucking went down by half. Um, you know, right. I talked I to people in St. Charles and 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 even in Jefferson and Orleans and, and uh, uh, Plaquemines. Same thing over in uh, you know Southwest Louisiana and Calcasieu and Cameron. You know, people are act, they're leaving their homes. Leaving their jobs, selling them, um, and which is also creating a big issue because a lot of people can buy the house, but they can't afford the insurance on the house. Um, but they're leaving our state because it's it's less expensive. Look, when you're the most expensive for auto, and I would argue we're the most expensive for homeowners as well. Some people say Florida is, but I, you know, I think the numbers, the way I look at it, Louisiana's um, we're certainly more unaffordable. But when you're the most expensive for insurance. That means when you move to any other state in America, you're saving yourself money. And I probably shouldn't say that loud because I don't want people to leave our state, but that's just the harsh reality of where we are. And so that's impacting our economy. We've got people leaving our state. We've got businesses leaving our state. But you know, the other side, Noel, is that that also inhibits people from wanting to move to Louisiana and wanting to move their business to Louisiana.
2: Yeah, it, it definitely serves as an impediment for sure. Um, Obviously, um, in the coming months, uh, not too far away, the regular legislative session um, will convene, and um, I know that uh, strategically, and I agree with you, I think it would better serve to be in a regular session than in a special session uh, to give everyone more time to kind of digest. What can we expect to see as it relates to proposed legislation?
3: Well, you know, we're working on that roadmap right now of legislative solutions. And I think, uh, Noel, what I mean, and, and I don't want to get over my skis, if you will, on what we're going to propose because I am still actively engaged, like I said, with, you know, talking with the governor's office, talking with the legislative leadership and, and individual legislators, as, as well as, as industry and consumer advocate groups. You know, we're, we're creating a, what I'm going to call a, a collaborative. Uh, package of bills. And certainly not everybody is going to agree with with what we're going to come out with. But, you know, I do. And I'll tell you, I know we've got, you know, another show we're going to be doing with you later this month. And and what I'm going to tell you is we'll be ready to reveal what that's going to be during our our next program.
2: And I guess it's important to let the public know, uh, our listening audience know, um, it's easy to propose a bill, right? But you still got to pass it and And that's why you're going through the exercise that you're going it, it it's of no value if you propose it and it can't pass
3: and and that's right, and that's why you know we're being you know we're being very thoughtful and deliberative in what we want to you know to propose uh for consideration and and you know look. I, we've seen in past years and i'm not i'm not you know casting stones at anyone in particular but there's been years and and, and various other industries that where legislation has passed and we thought it was going to do something and it really didn't do anything and you know you people chalk that up as a success and then they you know they move on to something else and it it didn't do it didn't do the intended you know what was intended so you know i'm going to be hyper focused on making sure that we put our energies and our efforts behind legislation that is going to be designed to, if you heard me say it before, to help make Louisiana a more competitive marketplace so that companies want to come and do business here and they want to write your home, your auto, your business so that, you know, today you may have one, you may have two companies that want to quote, give you a quote. When you've got three, five, seven companies, that's when you see that, that, that pricing start to change. That's what we've got to focus on, creating that competitive marketplace. And that's what we're going to focus the legislation on.
2: Tim, there was an article the other day in uh, NOLA.com about a, a number of insurance company practices in, in um, you know, kind of shielding information um, and being able to take monies out of uh, the insurance companies, whether it's profits or otherwise and I can't remember the name of the practice, I'm sure you're familiar with it, is there going to be an attempt to have more transparency in reporting by insurance companies as it relates to their capitalization? Because that obviously is a big deal, right? I mean, how much of a risk uh, is their uh, capitalization of their company, uh, how much can it tolerate? And it seems that in, in many cases we're a little bit upside down.
3: Yeah, no, I think uh you're referring to the um the, the MGA, the managing general agency. That's it. Thank um, you. Thank uh, you. Yes. And look, I mean th- that is that is certainly it, it is a legal uh normal uh business structure if you will and and there are MGAs in in every state in America. Um, I I think that uh you know the article was trying to highlight some of the companies that had failed and tried to correlate their failure, um, with the, with that structure. Um, you know, it's it certainly, it, it's very, you know, it's it's like anything when used properly, then it's okay. But, right. you know, you know, they were trying to highlight some failures and some of the practices they did. W- what I would say is that you don't want to set up any other unnecessary hurdles. Um, again, it just makes your state more unattractive. So, you know what 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 we do here at the department is we need to make sure that the companies that do operate in Louisiana using legal structures have the proper you know policyholder surplus they've got the finances that they need they have they, they purchase the proper amounts of reinsurance so that when they do get hit by you know hurricanes that they're, they're they're still standing and they're able to afford to pay the claims and the department is certainly taking a more heightened Uh, Approach at looking and and ensuring, you know, as a department, we can look at almost anything and everything um, as a regulator that that an insurance company has, and so, you know, we we have increased our oversight uh, into that, and we will continue because you know we're asking these companies to come and write a lot of policies that are going to be exposed to hurricanes. You know, you know, it's where the greatest need is, and you you know you want to make sure that these companies are not being opportunistic writing a bunch of business and with no intent of you know, remaining in the state and no intent of paying claims when they need. So that's, that's the job of the department. That's my job, and we're going you know, to step up our efforts to, to make sure that these companies are here for the long run.
2: Well, that, that's what I was asking is about reporting requirements. I mean, obviously, when they come in, they go through an application process. There's a, a review as it relates to their capitalization. But you know as well as I that 60 days down the road, things could change. They,
3: that's right. They could, and, and they could change why, you their know,
2: reinsurance portfolio structure. They could change capitalization by by moving money to the MGA side of it and start taking money out and not have reporting requirements back to the Department of Insurance. And, well,
3: and, and the department does have, have the ability to look at that. And, you know, I would say, though, that, you know, as far as reinsurance, you know, those typically are one-year terms. So they, they can't change those midstream. Now, if they don't pay... Their reinsurance premiums then then there's certainly an issue there but there's there's a mechanism for us to to have some oversight there Um, and and also several years ago the legislature uh, did pass the minimum policyholder surplus requirements for companies that want to do business in Louisiana and today it used to be I believe it was three million dollars was the minimum it's now ten million so we're moving we're taking steps to make sure that these companies have the proper financial resources
2: yeah um, final thoughts.
3: You know, uh, you know, I would just say to your listeners that that you know, I am working diligently. The the, the men and women here, my coworkers, are working diligently, and I know the state leadership is all hyper focused on making sure that we bring some solutions. They're going to bring the relief that you know that, that we all want, and, and quite frankly, we all need uh, with regards to insurance. And so, it's not going to be as fast as everybody wants it to be. It's certainly not going to be as fast as I want it to be, but you know, insurance is a, um, you know, everything tends to be on 12-month contracts. So it takes, you know, it takes a little while to filter through, but look, there is a, there's going to be a roadmap, there's going to be a path, and I'm I'm looking forward to next time we talk, you know, being able to talk more about that.
2: All righty. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We know you're busy. Tim Temple, Insurance Commissioner for the state of Louisiana. Uh, have a great Mardi Gras.
3: Thank you. Have a good and safe weekend.
2: We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. This is Newell on WWL.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's
1: joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Welcome back, folks. I thought it'd be interesting to report to you on a New York Times article that was talking about can San Francisco solve its drug crisis. We talked about Portland earlier that decriminalized uh, all drugs. And a similar happenstance is going on in San Francisco. In fact, San Francisco, too, has said they are in the midst of a drug crisis. Overdose deaths reached a record high last year, topping 800 in San Francisco. New York Times points out that public drug use is widespread through a number of neighborhoods. The rise of fentanyl, a synthetic opioid, and any number of other reasons have created a spike in addiction and overdose deaths. In fact, in 2014, the city's overdose death rate was roughly in line with the national average. But as of last year, its rate has more than doubled the national average. And San Francisco was number four for overdose deaths among U.S. counties with more than 500,000 people. The country's overdose crisis has worsened over the past decade as fentanyl spread. But San Francisco's worsened much more quickly. And when the Times began to look into the why we just talked about the what, they found that local policy changes are partly to blame. In 2014, California voters passed Prop 47, and guess what that did? Reduced drug possession to a misdemeanor from a felony. Different parts of the states have interpreted the change differently. In San Francisco, law enforcement has responded by scaling back efforts against drugs, de-emphasizing incarceration, and effectively allowing public drug use. Those who supported this partial decriminalization effort talk about an experience in Portugal, which decriminalized all drugs more than two decades ago, and then they saw a decline in drug-related problems. But not uncommon here. We've seen this, you know, uh, as it relates to... uh, You know, what we wanted to do in Louisiana as it relates to um, uh, uh, tax incentives and others for business that we wanted the Texas model, our tax structure, we want a Texas model. We talk about the model, but we don't replicate the model in its totality ever, and we wonder why we have different outcomes. Well, the same holds true here. No one ever really mimicked the Portugal model. Nor did they study um, the belief system, the cultural uh, um, fabric of Portugal to see whether it, that aligns with San Francisco. We just look at it in the abstract and think that because it was successful in Portugal, it's going to be su- su- successful in San Francisco. And they quickly realized that they did not mimic the Portugal plan in its totality, and as a result, that left a number of pathways and holes and nuances that have come back to haunt those in San Francisco. And here again is another example of trying this very progressive approach, because remember, we over and we over incarcerate for everything, right? And what we're finding is the outcomes here may be worse than the outcomes that we were trying to actually remediate. And this is going on around the country. And I can give you example after example after example of how uh, this is going down a bad path. And they're recognizing in this country that this is not going to be the solution. In fact, they're paying dearly. They're pay- paying dearly because there is a direct correlation with the number of folks that have drug addictions with burglaries, theft, bur- uh, auto, auto burglaries, um, shoplifting. Uh, we see this in, in San Francisco. In fact, one of the most famous toy stores the other day in San Francisco closed down. It was uh, the basis for the movie Toy Story gone. Ain't there no more. Crime is one of the reasons that the owner gave. Theft. The store. And there were other issues as well. But he said the whole fabric of the city has changed. It's not the same. And people don't want to go downtown to shop any longer because they don't feel safe. So anytime that we embark on this kind of culture of noncompliance as just a general term. We don't see positive outcomes at all. You give an inch, they take a foot. You give a foot, they take a yard. And before you know it, you cannot change the course very easily because it's embedded itself in your community, in the fabric of your community, in society as a whole, throughout the greater San Francisco area. Now areas around the city of San Francisco are complaining and struggling as well. These are things when you look at what's happening in other parts of the country, you don't want to replicate here. Someone said that lax enforcement when it comes to petty criminality has led to big-time criminality, and that's so true. It starts in little bits and pieces, and before you know it, it has you completely and totally consumed. We'll be right back. I want to hear from you, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Texlon. Stay with us. Couldn't find the article on the toy store, but I did now. Jeffrey's Toys, the oldest toy store in San Francisco, closing permanently on February 10th. Matthew Loon, who co-owns the store with his father and stepmother, said store were struggling to stay afloat because of partly because of the rise of online shopping but also because of san francisco's downtown struggles open drug use on the streets shoplifting and violence their employees didn't feel safe showing up there they're getting pushed around and and uh, beat on and they are now as of the 10th gone let's go to the talk lines pierre you're up welcome to the show
4: hey noah I agree you? with you that enforcement, I'm fine. I agree with you that enforcement of laws is many laws, almost non-existent, and in particular traffic laws. And I think that's where you have to start. You have to build some consensus, some understanding that laws are going to be enforced. I could, I'm convinced that I could probably, commit murder out on the streets and unless i do it right in front of a policeman and it's jefferson parish orleans i don't think it matters there would be no apprehension by the police i just don't see any enforcement but i see increasing uh, infractions people don't pay attention and they don't respect the law and before anyone says anything about, well, the sheriff needs more money, or there aren't enough police, that is true. But in Jefferson Parish, Sheriff Lapinto has just granted a sixteen, excuse me, a uh, an eight million dollar tax exemption tax that would have gone to the sheriff's department to a company called UBE to come into the parish and build a small plant with nine employees.
2: Well the sheriff can't grant a tax exemption, so that's incorrect.
4: The ITEP, that is exactly what he did. He is allowed to exempt his portion.
2: His portion, that's correct. His portion in in agreement in agreement with with other no, with in agreement with other tax recipient bodies, that they have the to get the majority the of, th- that they have to get the majority of for uh, economic development in order to pass. That is correct.
4: Right. So his share, which he agreed to exempt, was eight point one million. The school mm-hmm. board had twenty percent, which was double that. The parish itself exempted. Uh, What, 70 percent of the total. So I'd like to see more enforcement. I'd like to see more enforcement of the small laws because the small laws do lead to enforcement of bigger laws.
2: Well, Pierre, I would tell you that uh, I don't disagree with some of what you're saying, but uh, as it relates to the murder comment, uh, Jefferson Parish has a 90 plus percent solution rate in murders. So you're wrong there. and uh, Well, I'm speaking
4: figuratively. Well, well, uh,
2: it yeah, would have but to you, be
4: a really serious crime for there to be any enforcement of the laws.
2: Well, their clearance so rate is, is above the national average in almost every category. And, in fact, last year they posted the second lowest crime rate year since 1974. Uh, th- this is not opinion. These are facts. Uh, I follow those stats religiously. I did so when I was sheriff because that was the best indication of what we were doing out on the street and as to whether or not it made any sense. We follow solution rates, um, very closely to make sure that we were deploying the latest and greatest technology in order to, um, minimize the amount of human capital that we needed and be able to affect the highest solution rates that we could possibly achieve, um, and I don't disagree that there are a number of agencies across this country that are having significant challenges because of human capital. They don't have it. And they don't have the dollars necessary in a consistent way um, because there's turnover in the office, not only at the leadership positions, but in the rank and file as well. And, it, and it's hard to achieve momentum and maintain um, the public's trust. Day in and day out, because you're right, Pierre. Once you lose the public's trust, you're losing the battle. If you don't have them in your corner, it makes it three, four times harder uh, to get it back. Um, you know, so it's um, and, and and it and it's very it's very true. Uh, but traffic enforcement, a lot of different things. You drive around if there's no enforcement, people do what they want to do when they want to do it how they want to do it you know we've seen this issue in the city with riding four wheelers and motorcycles without a helmet popping a wheelie the goal is to stay, you know maintain a wheelie from north from uh claiborne all the way uh to the river going down the neutral ground and otherwise and i've i've seen officers just standing there and nobody does anything Uh, Part of the problem is nobody wants to get in a chase with these folks. They're not going to just stop uh, upon the command. Uh, And it's a problem because they don't respect the community. They don't respect you. They don't respect the police. They don't respect the laws. And um, this is part of that culture of noncompliance that permeates, it grows, it festers. It's a cancer. It is a cancer in a community. And all of us need to push back. Not just the police, not just the mayor, not just the council, all of us. We should only accept on the street what we accept in our homes. And if everybody comes together and starts screaming that at the top of their lungs and making everyone aware that we're not going to accept it, it's the only way that we're going to turn it around. Pierre, thank you for the call. Let's go to Alan. Alan, you're up. Welcome to the show.
4: Yes, Newell. My my comment is, uh, doesn't uh, petty criminality start with truancy?
2: Absolutely. In fact, I I really believe that one of the big solutions uh, throughout America, when you look at the truancy rates in the educational system, and I've talked about this not only here, but in other states as well, that everyone's got that same challenge, uh, you'll help your educational system and you'll help, law enforcement and safety in your community by having a robust truancy program.
4: And aren't the parents, uh, shouldn't the parents be re- is responsible for this? Yes. I mean, brought into yeah. some of the responsibility.
2: Yes. Yes.
4: That's not their true. Ch- their, their truant child has
2: made it has made it inconvenient for the community. Their truant child has made it inconvenient for the educational institution. And one sanction can be, we make it inconvenient for them. And the moment that you start doing that and the understanding that they're going to be summoned before a juvenile court or a hearing officer that's run by the school system or otherwise, uh, most people begin to get the message.
4: OK, thank you very much.
2: All righty, well, thank you. Show. Thank you, sir. Let's go to Ruben. Ruben, you're up. Welcome to the show.
4: Yes, they talk about pushing back, and they talk about this. You can't wave a gun. You can't have a gun in plain sight. A policeman will take it from you. They'll put you in jail. It costs you hundreds of dollars to get your gun back and get you out of jail. So how you can expect to push back with your fists? You can't push back with your fists. With a shield, you can't push back with a shield. So, yeah, I can appreciate pushing back, but I surely can't appreciate if you had a weapon to push back with, get thrown in jail for no reason Mm -hmm. and take
2: of dollars to get it back. Well, Reuben, let me let me make sure that we're all clear. I am not suggesting that you or anyone else engage in physicality to push back. I use the term push back in having your voice heard. That collectively, the community sing off the same sheet of music about what we are willing to accept, and putting pressure on political leadership to prioritize those items that we want to see and get accomplished. I'm not talking about taking matters into your own hands. I'm not talking about vigilanteism. That is not the appropriate response, and I would never advocate for that.
4: I understand.
2: So I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because if I if I misled anybody to believe that that's what I was suggesting, that is not what I am suggesting. Their strength in numbers, they strength in numbers in a belief. Laws are nothing more than embracing customs of society where we determine how we're going to interact with one another. And when folks deviate from those norms, we just need to simply call them out, plain and simple. And if our leadership that we're electing, judges, DAs, sheriffs, police chiefs, mayors, councils, and otherwise, are not on that same sheet of music, it's our responsibility to let them know. We'll be right back. Got a text here, what is the name of the Mardi Gras store that um, Scoot advertises, and that is, um, oh, my mind just went blank, Logo Express. You can get your Mardi Gras goods over at Logo Express, Roger Sedwani, good friend of mine, uh, good guy. Um, I was encouraged, and I talked about this the other day, and it goes along the line of this uh, petty criminality situation and letting it get out of hand and it's going to be interesting to see and and I'm probably going to go downtown just to see what's happening uh, because I'm curious if uh, they talked about the city that is uh, beginning to enforce the laws and ordinances relative to vendors on the street Uh, Down on Bourbon Street, Royal Street, and all of those streets, selling liquor, selling alcohol, selling candy, selling vaping products, selling everything under the sun. You can get a full bar. You can get a margarita. You could probably get a Manhattan. Uh, They sell it all right in front of other bars. And they don't have a license. They don't have an ABO permit. Uh, They're not allowed to serve alcohol. They don't have a health certificate. They don't pay occupational license tax. They don't collect sales tax. They don't do any of that. What they do is they get an ice chest, and they go to a store, and they get a wagon, and put the ice chest in the wagon, and that's, that's their investment to go and compete against the businesses that are paying all of the other cost of a business in the French Quarter. Well, the city says they're going to crack down on it. Kudos to Mayor Latoya Cantrell, her administration, uh, for coming out and saying that this is what they're going to do. And uh, talk is cheap. I hope this is what happens. And as I said before, my curiosity has got me. I I really want to. I'm I'm definitely going to be down there several nights next week. um, But I'm kind of curious this weekend what's going to happen. How this, how this is going to work and whether or not they're going to address this situation and how they're going to go about doing it. Because you know that tonight, maybe not tomorrow night, because of rain and Sunday, they'll, they will be out in full force. And it'll be interesting to see what ultimately happens there. It is something that's long, long overdue. And the culture and the fabric of the French Quarter has suffered because of the lax enforcement. I have spent time talking to a lot of business owners and vendors in the French Quarter since I've been on air about this issue, about this culture of noncompliance, and about people doing what they want, when they want, how they want. works well for them, and they think because it's good for them, it's got to be good for everybody else, and that couldn't be further from the truth. So it's going to... Be interesting to see how this enforcement is going to play itself out over the years we've talked about doing this it's been done in a periodic fashion which doesn't work you got to stay engaged or it's just not going to change but I promise you when this petty criminality falls out watch what happens things tend to change quickly We will be right back, folks, after the top of the news break. We're going to visit with Hans von Spakovsky, Senior Legal Fellow at the Heritage, talking about comments made by Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor to the University of California, Berkeley School of Law. I was shocked when I heard what she said. Okay,
0: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.